to this month's edition of Systrix with Kanda. We are live streaming here from the Kanda Studios straight to the Systrix YouTube channel. I am your host, Jack Chambers-Ward. This is Mark Williams-Cook. Hello, Mark. Hello. Glad and to in be this, here. thank you very much. Glad to be here. Excited to be back on Systrix's YouTube channel. In this month's Systrix with Kanda, we will be talking about the latest sector watch, all about TVs and some very interesting e-commerce tips. We'll be talking about Google perspectives, and we'll also be talking about how to report spam sites on Google since they've updated their reporting form. We'll also be diving into a Q&A at the end as well, so please do stay tuned for that right at the end. And after we finish, Mark and I here, we will keep the live stream going so you can have a nice chat and keep on asking questions to the Systrix team, and we'll be in the chat there as well to answer any questions you have after we finish actually being on camera and all that kind of stuff. We'll keep it going, keep the flow, keep the conversation going, essentially. So, should we dive straight into some Sector Watch, Mark? Some Sector Watch, yes. Sector Watch is maybe my favourite thing that the Systrix team do. I absolutely love Sector Watch. I think it gives some really, really interesting, unique perspectives. Fantastic work from Charlie Williams. I know, Charlie, you do listen to the podcast. Thank you for your fantastic work over there at Systrix. And we're going to be talking about TVs. It sounds like, oh, yeah, whatever, I don't sell TVs. Maybe you don't, but the way Charlie breaks things down, I think is some of the best and brilliant advice to pull out from all of this data. Because we talk about this a lot, right? We get a lot of data from Systrix, but what do you do with that data? When we talk about Trendwatch, it's like, okay, cool, something's trending. How does that relate to me, my business, my clients? How does it relate to you, viewers and listeners at home? How does it all work? And I think Charlie does a brilliant idea of making actual actionable recommendations. So let's take a quick look. I'll transition over to having a look at Charlie's article here. So the top domains and content for TVs in the UK. You can see a little interesting map there. We uh, talked about this a little while ago on the show. This is the brand representation recommendations from OpenAI. There's an article all about that from Systrix and which brands OpenAI tends to favor, which was very interesting. But what Charlie dives into is basically the high performing content and why the sites that he says performing and from the data they say performing, why they do so well. And we're going to talk about the top three domains and kind of focus on number one, specifically for the transactional intent side of things, because I think that's a, a really juicy morsel to kind of bite into it and check out. So we're going to talk about curries. And those of you outside of the UK, maybe you're not familiar with curries.co.uk. It's a pretty big brand here in the UK. And Mark, I'm sure you're very well aware of curries. <laughs> yes, well, I actually used to work for oh, the company that owns curry, so I am actually <laughs> very, very aware of it, yes. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing where curries is kind of this, I don't think of them as doing TVs necessarily, but I think it's something they do, do a lot of computer kind of stuff, they do a lot of technology, and apparently they are kind of the UK's leading in terms of visibility for TVs and stuff like that. So... The fact that Charlie pulls out some really interesting things that they do with things like faceted navigation and their product listing pages, so their category pages essentially, is fascinating to me. And let's just have a look at the main nav here. It's a pretty busy main nav for TV and audio. You've got all the different types of TVs, you've got all the different accessories going on here. And what this tells me, and it's something we've talked about before, I know we used Etsy as an example a few times a few months ago, they have an answer for everything, basically. Whenever you combine 
a TV size, with a brand, with a resolution, they have a landing page for you. And I think that's a huge testament to Curry's really planning everything out. If you actually go and click through to the TV's page, this is what it looks like. And you get, like I said, the different sizes across the top there, just above us there. Then you've got the types of TVs, so 4K, OLED, all that kind of stuff. And then the brands just next to Mark, just here, you've got Samsung, Sony, all that kind of stuff. You can click through and grow to those brand pages. You can go to the size pages, whatever. Totally normal, right? You kind of expect that in terms of options for category pages for e-commerce. What is impressive is pretty much any combination of those three is got its own landing page. It's really impressive that they have kind of carved out this niche. So I will show you an example. This is one of the ones Charlie mentions in the article here. This is Samsung TVs that are 46 to 54 inches and are LED. And this is a specific, if you notice at the very, very top there, I don't know if you can see that on the live stream, folks, but there is a specific URL with no parameters, no query strings, no nothing. It's a fully crawlable, indexable, easy to manage, essentially, URL. And I think having these specific landing pages is such a powerful, important part of faster navigation and getting it right. In fact, Luke, one of the search specialists here at Candor and I were having this conversation for one of our clients the other day, and this is almost exactly the recommendation we were giving them. They were like, oh, should we do kind of like, you know, UTM tags and add like parameters and stuff? Should we do uh, like query strings? If you search for something, it adds an S and then a query and all this kind of stuff. Like actually building landing pages that answer specific search intent can make a huge, huge difference. I think it's a really big credit to Curry's and what they've kind of chosen to carve out. And like we said, kind of having that answer for everything is a really good way of establishing yourself as an authority and really kind of building trust with your audience and your viewers there as well, right? I think it's a great way to show when you put that effort in and plan it out, that's the kind of results you can get. I've always said when we've talked about faceted navigation with clients, especially with larger e-com sites, if you're having to use things like robots.txt mm. to me that's like a a, a band-aid for <laughs> you know the, the all all kind of content management systems will have some limitations but given free reign and this is something we did uh, for an e-commerce client where we were involved uh, luckily for us during the build stage was they have a few thousand products but they could have five or six different kind of filters or facets to the category pages and all of them individually, certainly, and some combinations of those had search volume and distinguishable search intent. The problem was that if you added five or six variations, firstly, then you're down into such long tail stuff, you know, you're not really, you haven't really got a differentiated search intent, but also you were quickly going into the millions of variations of pages. So what we actually did was make the um, facets crawlable, but after the site detects you are on a URL where you have three facets applied, it stops making any other additional facets crawlable. Mm. So essentially we were only giving search engines access um, to three facet levels deep, but it was like a dynamic way to right, create right. those landing pages that were specific and we didn't get crawl budget problems or just have you know wild three million pages index <laughs> with every color variation of 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 the products but yeah it's, it's really cool to see um curries do so well online with that approach yeah definitely i'll give you some stats from charlie in the article here as well 
They rank for 92 or more than 92% of the keywords analyzed from this sector uh, on page four, 83% of them on page one. That is a pretty, pretty significant statistic there. That is a thing I think Systrix use a lot. And I think it's a really good way of judging an overall domain's performance is highlighting that ratio between like, yeah, how many keywords do you rank for? But where do you actually rank for them? Are you actually on page one for any of this stuff? You can rank for a hundred thousand keywords if you want, but if you're not in the top 10 or even top five, sometimes even top three for certain queries, you're not going to get clicks. You're not going to get traffic. You're not going to get conversions. And the fact that we highlight that here, over 83% of the keywords analyzed in this keyword group, they're ranking on page one. That's pretty impressive. There's over 1200 URLs ranking for at least one keyword just in that directory alone of TVs. So as you were saying, Mark, that can get out pretty quickly. And they rank on page one for 55% of the analyzed keywords there as well, just that directory. It's a pretty impressive scope from Curry. So I think it's credit to the team who have crafted this out and really thought about it. It clearly shows a strategy behind it to make these landing pages specific, make sure they are answering direct search intent. And I think this is the perfect kind of thing where Sector Watch I find so, so interesting. And you can go to sisterish.com slash blog, by the way, and go and check it out. Of course, links will be in the show description. If you're listening to this on the podcast, they'll be in the show notes as well at search.withcanda.co.uk. And go and check out the whole thing. We are scratching the surface here. I've only talked about one of the domains, Charlie sure. Blake's, the, t the top three. And we also go into the informational content and, and uh, search intent there as well. So we've barely scratched like a fifth of this article. I want to talk about it more, but we don't have time. <laughs> we, we don't have time. We must move on. <laughs> Highly recommend. Go and check it out. Like I said, systrix.com slash blog. Go and check out the latest sector watch from Charlie. There is loads of really, really interesting and juicy pieces of information in there for you to get your teeth around and basically get some great perspectives on e-commerce stuff. Speaking of perspectives, check out that segue. Wow. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Google perspectives, I think, is the big hot topic that uh, everyone is talking about, right? This is the kind of big announcement that Google made in May-ish, yep. and then now has started to roll out to mobile users in the US. So it's for always those, the US first. It's always the US first. I think it's interesting where obviously the US is going to get everything first because of course they do they get everything first it seems except maybe cinema releases sometimes but in search they, <laughs> they they tend to get all the cool tests and experiments first and it's an interesting twist on a SERP right do you want to give us a little kind of recap on what a perspective is Mark yes certainly um I've been referring it to it myself as the reddit quora and youtube filter <laughs> but we've got now uh on mobile in the US, as Jack said, um, one of the search filters that appears below the search box is called perspectives. And this is in line with Google's previous announcements when EAT changed to E-E-A-T. I haven't decided how yeah. I'm going to say that yet, which is the experience uh, element added onto expertise, authority and trust. So that's getting first person uh, experience, whether it's on products or just opinions. And that's something they've talked about they are building into their ranking system it's the first time they'd mentioned it specifically um and i think it's come from an interesting place because i mean you um have previously spoken about on the podcast about people transitioning to tiktok yes, for this kind so. of perspective information yeah. and we know full well we've had discussions uh with lots of people who say yeah i stick reddit on the end of lots of my searches yeah. because they want first-hand 
people explaining the answer rather than um, you know, rather than someone who's maybe not done a great job researching <laughs> it and it's secondhand information because yeah. they didn't know what they're talking about. Or, or you get the kind of the the bad kind of black hat SEO type stuff. Not necessarily black hat, but people who just make up reviews because oh yeah, this product is the best because I'm they're my client and I'm just going to say it's the best. And there's no actual first hand experience. There's no actual sure actual references to using this thing. I know we did a test with this a few months ago on the podcast where you wrote something with AI. It was a review of a mouse, I think, wasn't it? And it was talking yeah. about the frequency of the laser or something that it was moving with. It was like, the first thing you, you, you look at. <laughs> I, I always look for laser frequency when I need a new mouse. And uh, yeah, I think perspective's in an interesting shift because I think you're right, it does highlight a lot more Reddit and Quora stuff. Um, a little snippet here from Brody Clark. Shout out to Brody Clark. Thank mm. you for what you do. You do a fantastic job highlighting SERP features breaking it down with articles and stuff. Let's have a look at Brody's little, uh, basically show you what a perspective looks like. This is how you access it. So if you are a mobile user in the US and you do have access to this, you should see the perspectives thing just below your search bar. If you click on that, it then opens this up. And funnily enough, as you said, Mark, oh, hey, look, it's Quora, it's YouTube and stuff like that. Um, and even highlighting tweets as well. Brody highlights one of his own tweets there. And it's interesting, right? Yeah, I think what they're going to look like for different queries is going to change. Here's another example from Brody. So using three different examples, which I think is using Melbourne. Brody's Australian, makes sense. Looking for restaurants in Melbourne. Why do dogs bark? And then searching for himself there as well, because of course he does. Everybody Googles himself, right? We're SEO. So that's, what we do. <laughs> that's what we do best. And there's a lot of video content here. And I think this is totally reinforcing, as you were saying, Mark, the conversations we've been having about TikTok, about YouTube, about YouTube shorts as well, and all this kind of short form video content. There's so much of this going on and so much of it is appearing on the SERPs. And I think this is kind of another call to action from YouTube, from Google, from these video platforms to say, hey, don't just make a blog article and leave it as text. Do it as a video, do it as a short form video, do it as a podcast. We do podcasts here as well, like all this kind of stuff diversifying your content strategy into other formats. And I know um, a few other sites from people I know who I've known through other things who also happen to be like niche site owners and stuff like that have started doing this where they will do a review article and then almost the exact same thing on YouTube. Obviously mm -hmm. the tone is tweaked, the tone of voice changes a little bit, but having it available on both is just going to increase your chance of appearing on the SERP. And when we're actively looking at stuff like this when google is actively shifting to look at this stuff for perspectives i think that's a huge argument towards having a video version of your content as well what i find interesting is there seems to be a slight bit of collective amnesia <laughs> around the discussions tab do you remember the discussions i, tab? I don't know no. google used to have a discussions tab um where you could essentially do a search and click a very similar looking button that now says perspectives <laughs> and you would get discussions, which was primarily forum content, Reddit, right. um, Quora, I believe as well. Um, so very similar, as you pointed out, this is kind of the 2023 version in that, you know, Google's still pushing YouTube quite hard. Yeah. And I'm really on the fence about perspectives as a feature and whether it's going to work for Google and by that I mean for for users mm. so to to give you know to give my view like I sometimes do put reddit on the end of a search 
where my question is very specific and I want like a first-hand answer. I want to read other people's experience of the same situation, right? I would never put Quora on a search. <laughs> Personally, not saying anything, you know, about their site. For me, I I haven't had experiences where I've found answers that I liked on Quora. So I agree. Yeah, you know, yeah. To me, it's like I'm not interested in seeing that. Now, why has Google got that perspectives tab? When especially when we look at like the your money, your life stuff, if Google's presenting your result in a normal SERP, they are, whether they intend to or not, in the searcher's eyes, essentially vouching for that page, right? Because they're yeah. saying this is the best answer to that query. Now, I think the problem Google's facing is that in terms of user-generated content, UGC, which is the stuff that's appearing in perspectives, you have this very polarizing, it can either be like, bang on the money, this is the exact answer I need from the person, <laughs> or it can be complete harmful trash and <laughs> lies. And so I think having a perspectives tab is almost like a disclaimer for the user in that you by knowingly and explicitly clicking on this, you are you are seeing people's other people's perspectives mm. uh, go not Google's. This is what <laughs> other people are saying, and I honestly think that's one of the reasons they've had to put the majority of this content in there because they are struggling to effectively at scale rate these really specific long tail user generated stuff you know the volume at which it comes out and which it changes and the complexity like we've seen with the large language models is yeah. it is it a good answer how how do we judge that it's really really difficult and i don't know how many everyday google searchers outside of you know experts will regularly use the perspectives tab because I think you have a set of, outside of SEO, I think you have a subset of kind of Google power users who maybe yeah, use some yeah. operators and they're the people uh, who- Are long-suffering wives and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they're people who you maybe, who add like things like Reddit on the end yeah. and stuff like that. But to me, this is like a, an easy access version of those operators that Google's filtering for you. And I'm just wondering what the crossover will be and what the uptake will be of that because yeah. even at the moment as Brody rightly points out that tab is hidden away as well not hidden but you have to actually scroll Crawl a across. mobile to get yeah. to it so you have to even know it's there you have to understand what it is when to use it as well so yeah, I don't really... think the phrase perspectives is very descriptive it's not it doesn't yeah. immediately say what it is I think discussion is an interesting one to compare it to because that immediately makes you think of forum posts and stuff right that is the obvious connection there I think and discussion makes sense it also appears in different places in different formats. Here's another thing from Brody where you actually have a perspective carousel. You've got the perspective filter, the one in the middle there we've already talked about. And also this kind of stacked featured snippet kind of thing, which was previously what they called perspectives and is now all kind of wrapped into one. So we've got three different options here for the different types of perspectives you can see. And as you said, Mark, when you're scrolling across, you can see news and image and videos and shopping and blah, 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 blah. You have to scroll across and find perspectives. How many actual users are going to do that? Or are Google going to update it? You know, once it properly rolls out to the rest of the world, they're still kind of testing in the US and all that kind of thing. Once it's actually available fully to the public, do they then like shift it over and prioritize it, cutting off videos or news or whatever it's going to be in there in that little kind of tabs below the 
below the search bar. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to see how much yeah. this affects things like content strategy as well, because I know it's something you and I have talked about a lot, especially when we're thinking of those zero volume keyword, that kind of stuff, the also are stuff we talk about so often, where if you see a Reddit thread ranking, or especially a Quora thread, because as we said, Quora, if it's ranking, you can probably beat it with a well-written article, right? Yeah, for sure. But if, and this is a this is the big if, if perspective becomes the new big thing, it becomes the common way to use a SERP, then that shifts that balance quite significantly. I think just on a main SERP, you're still going to outrank these, you know, Reddit mm. threads and, and Quora and whatever, whatever else kind of discussions and forums you're looking at. But if perspectives gets bigger and more accessible to more people, maybe that balance shifts a little bit and people start thinking about posting on forums more and we're back to 1999 when everybody's on forums again. <laughs> I, I would like that. I miss forums, but I, I just think that's, in my professional opinion, that's astronomically unlikely. Yeah, I agree. But perspectives is going to become the new thing. It, it's, I think it's just going to be a side channel for people to know what they're looking for. I think the majority of people don't want to think very hard. They want to type in a thing and they want to see something Google can at least vouch for, Absolutely. even if it's not the, the best answer. They just want a good answer that's kind of the least effort. So yeah. I'm not holding my breath about that. Um, quick <laughs> question here. Um, is perspectives in Europe already? No, no. I've I have tried. I've tested. I've played around with a few VPNs. I did manage to get it on my phone with a VPN last week. I think going into the US. I have tested other countries on a VPN on my phone. I could not get it to work at all anywhere else. So as far as I know, it is still just US uh, rollout so far. And I'm sure Google will suddenly announce it's across the rest of the world, and we all <laughs> go to panic. It's a big. It's a big. It's in the US, and then they say, and the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much how America <laughs> sees the world. Right? It's it's US and everywhere else. Sorry, American viewers and listeners out there. <laughs> Uh, keep it on the giggle topic. Let's talk about some spam stuff, shall Love we? Love um, talking about spam. Don't we just? Spam is Although I'd like topic. to just tell if anyone from Twitter is listening, I don't like talking about spam because, <laughs> as some of you may know, my Twitter account's been suspended for breaking spam rules, apparently, so I'd like to disassociate myself from that All right, it's all lies. R.I.P. the Taffer boy. <laughs> But yes, so Google have updated their spam reporting form and a lot of people were freaking out. And I think you rightly so, Mark, came in and went, hold on a minute. We've had this spam reporting thing for a while now. But there are actually some interesting changes and little shifts and kind of, again, the perspective is kind of shifting from Google. They're focusing on slightly different things. So I'll let you uh, have a little chat here, Mark, but I will transition over to this is what the actual announcement from Google looked like, basically saying, here is a new user feedback form for reporting spammy sites, essentially. Sure. So I think the first comment I had on this was, yeah, there there was a form that looked like it was designed in the early noughties that <laughs> was still kind of knocking about that you could get to with a Google query. There's a few, there's a few left now, um, which are kind of remnants of different search console um or webmaster tools as it used to be called kind of old functionality of that that you can still find and they brought it into their kind of material 2023 uh design now and i thought it was just an interesting topic to talk about which was actually um you know lots of people i've spoken to have competitors that are doing you know spam stuff and they're ranking and obviously it's really frustrating right when you're putting 
time and money into making good content and doing, you know, fight. Oh, well, hold on, hold on. Just make good content. Yeah, I exactly. That, I thought right. that was the rule. <laughs> you're, you're making good content and, um, you know, it, you're, you're doing things the right way, but the long and expensive way. And then you just see people doing trashy SEO and yeah. just like laughing at you from number one. So it's, <laughs> it's always, it's always um, frustrating. So this uh, announcement Google made last Wednesday about the updated spam form and the update essentially is that rather than just looking at spam and paid link reports they've opened it up firstly into three main categories now so you can report sites for spam deceptive low quality content you can report uh, report sites for malware or phishing as well so there are three topics um, and if you for instance want to report a site for spam you can uh, you give them the page URL and then they'll actually ask you specifically what's going on with that page. And this is a bit more granular than it than it used to be. Um, so they're asking you essentially, um, is it deceptive? Is it just low quality? Does it contain paid links? That kind of stuff. Now, before everyone goes and jumps on this, I want to reporting their competitors for spammy links. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, to point out. So this is a, a quote from the announcement. Google says, Google does not use these reports to take direct action against violations. These reports still play a significant role in helping us understand how to improve our spam detection systems that protect our search results. So you you know, filling out this form is not going to suddenly, you know, burn your competitors because they've been <laughs> buying some links. That's that's not what Google wants to use it for. I mean, I know Google even had issues with people kind of hammering the um, indexing requests in Search yeah, Console. Yeah. So if they had a form that you could report people to that direct action was taken, I imagine, you know, they need to triple but, the size of the company to deal, <laughs> deal with all those reports, right? A lot of people try and do this negative SEO thing and just try and tank their competitors. <clears throat> it is, like you said, you can imagine that getting out of hand very, very quickly if that was suddenly an effective way of basically kicking your competitors out of the SERPs. Mm. So just talking about why you would bother using that tool because this is essentially saying, you know, there's no direct benefit to you for reporting a competitor. And I've spoken to lots of SEOs about this of should you even report a competitor mm, if, they're, if yeah. they're breaking Google's rules, you know, what business is it of yours? Um, and lots of SEOs have the um, perspective that while you're competing with other kind of websites and other SEOs, you're all on one team and Google is kind of on the other <laughs> in that, you know, Google's not our friend. So why are you dobbing yeah, us yeah. in? We're just trying to make money as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the potential longer term plus side is, you know, if, if your competitor's site that is breaking the rules is then used as like part of a model to say this is a bad site, you know, <laughs> that might help you long term. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just wanted to talk about, I guess, your options. So if you mm. see a website that, is you know outranking you and it is you know really obviously spammy either it's buying links or they're you know doing something shady the only way that i've seen personally sites have action taken against them is when they're publicly outed or when and by that i mean either when someone highlights what they're doing <laughs> or when they brag about it um, <laughs> yeah when they shoot them that's always very satisfying when they're like <laughs> yeah i've got this uh they have the no x-axis no y-axis graph on linkedin like really hmm, that sounds interesting let me just tap the url onto oh i see what you're doing here yep 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 
<laughs> I always remember there's um, quite an infamous SEO. I, I won't name who owned a very large site similar to Quora and um, said to Matt Cutts at the time that Google couldn't penalize him. <laughs> um, yeah, that wow. didn't end well uh, wow. for them. But yeah, so I guess if, if I'm working with clients, generally, um, I won't make a scene about competitors that are breaking rules because again, we've, we've, we've talked about negative SEO before. Mm, yeah. If someone is prepared to be really spammy on their own site, um, if uh, you will draw attention to yourself, obviously, if you are publicly outing them and trying to get them penalized, it normally, I believe will cause you more headaches in then perhaps combating what they might try and do to your site regardless of google saying in a negative <laughs> seo um does or doesn't work um and as i said generally they'll only touch the really high profile cases yeah i just try and talk to clients about you know seo being a long-term thing um you know again if you're buying links you're essentially just gambling on how long they're going to be worth something <laughs> yeah because yeah. at some point google you know the technology constantly gets better right that's one constant that we know about all things technology-wise. Yeah. It slowly gets better. So logically, at some point, they will be able to work out to a reasonable uh, level that this is probably a paid link, therefore they'll discontinue it or stop counting it at least. Um, and then you don't know what you are spending your money on in, in, as opposed to <laughs> investing in content. So I thought it was an interesting, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on it, just point to bring up about, you know, you don't have that many options when it comes to getting google to take action against spammers um and there can be a potential cost to you if you do make a big noise about it yeah uh, this kind of comes along similar lines and we've again we've talked about this on the show before with the whole disavowing links thing right it seems like it's more effort than it's really worth a lot of the time you're probably better off just getting off and doing your own stuff and not worrying about it because you're totally right mark if you've picked up that it's a spammy website chances are google is going to catch up with them eventually and something's going to happen so going out of your way and spending time where you could be making good content, to quote Google, crafting things and improving in technical SEO, whatever it is, putting it to good use, essentially, and trying to do negative SEO on, bear in mind, probably one competitor at a time. When you're making good content, you're trying to beat multiple people. You're trying to get to the top positions of that entire page one. You know, you've got 10 other, well, nine other sites, nine competitors, essentially, on page one. If you're spamming and trying to kind of like get rid of one of them, what the other eight are going to notice as well and yeah. probably take that slot as well. So there's no guarantee that Google is going to rank you higher compared to somebody you're reporting for spam. One of your other competitors could take that slot as well. So yeah, I think you're totally right, Mark. There is kind of like a maybe don't worry about it kind of, <laughs> kind of vibe to this whole thing. I appreciate Google trying to do the whole, you know, helpful content, trying to report misinformation, spammy and all that kind of stuff. But it does feel like uh, you're probably better off not worrying about it and just doing good work for good sites. Yeah, <laughs> you're not probably going to get a lot from filling out that form. But if you want to do it, hey, yeah. helps all of us. Exactly, exactly. Cool, so that's our main two topics for the episode. I think we have time for one more question. So we have one question from the chat. And uh, this is one actually submitted a little bit earlier for somebody who is in the chat. Hello, Sylvia, in the chat. Thank you for sending questions through. And uh, you sent this through on LinkedIn. Let's talk about a drop in click-through rate, shall we, Mark? Yes. So Sylvia's question this was... This is an interesting one. It is, it is. It's very interesting. We've actually got a graph from Sylvia, so thank you for 
pre-submitting. <laughs> uh, what are the possible causes for a drop in CTR, whereas there's a huge spike in impressions and clicks? And I'll Ooh. show you the graph right now. There we go. I've edited out the URLs and things, so you can just see the, the little graph there. But yeah, interesting. I think a lot of us have seen this before, where the impressions go up, but no clicks are coming through in a significant amount. What are your thoughts, Mark? Yes. So the when we look at Search Console data, one interesting thing is that you will see that the metrics we have, clicks, impressions, CTR, average position, are rarely all aligned. And depending in which way they are not aligned will give you a hint as to uh, what is going on. So to, to, to give you an example different from this one, if Sylvia said, hey, well, we've got lots more impressions suddenly, but we don't really have many more clicks, what's going on? That would normally tell the story that, for instance, you've maybe popped onto page one for a lot more queries. Mm. Um, so your impressions, i.e. when someone does a search, you're showing there, but you you haven't got the clicks yet because you are still kind of too far down to actually get the, the line share because we know there is that kind of um, bell curve right at the beginning um, of, of clicks. But what we've got here is something slightly different. So we've got a comparison. Um, we have seen an increase here in clicks, which is great. Good job. And um, we also <laughs> see an increase in impressions. And Silver's question is here, well, the average click-through rate has dropped. And the first thing I noticed here as well is also the average position has dropped. So that gave me a hint, which I went and checked. Um, and I think this is going to be the case, is what's happening here is the site has become visible for lots more keywords. Mm. So there's been an increase in, in keywords that the site ranks for. So this can commonly happen, for instance, if you're adding content to the site. So what, will, what would happen in this scenario is, again, you will have new pages pop up, maybe ranking position 8, 9, and 10. That's going to inflate your impressions, as we said. It's going to drop your click-through rate. Um, because it's pulling down the click-through rate from the positions you did have and it's also going to drop that average position. So if you see a drop in average position and click-through rate but an increase in impressions, it's normally because you're ranking for more keywords. I verified that with some other tools as well and you can see that site, because um, I had access to the URL, has actually spiked with the number of keywords ranking. Mm. So it's a good thing. Um, the only other bit of analysis I'd maybe do on that is for the big terms you are getting clicks for just filter down and see if you've uh, the click through it's changed for them but in general i think it's a good bit of good news awesome well if you'd like to hear more from sylvia there is a whole episode of me talking with sylvia on search with candor from a few weeks ago with her co-founder mini as well we talked about how to make brilliant content briefs so go and check out my conversation with sylvia from a few months ago as well but that about wraps us up Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the chat. Thank you, Mark, as always, for joining me. Thank you, Sistrix, for having us on your YouTube channel. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. We very much enjoy doing these live streams. Hope you've enjoyed it. Of course, if you want to go and subscribe to Search with Candor, please do. You can check out weekly podcasts. And the audio edition of each of these live streams is also available on the podcast feed as well. Please do subscribe to Sistrix as well. We'll be doing these on every month, pretty much. We're here talking, recapping the latest news going into Q&As and all that kind of stuff as well. So please do check out both of those things and subscribe there as well. Until next month, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you on Social Security YouTube channel in July. See you later. <laughs>